to the 301st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And a post-corner route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, Matt? It's uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party week. Georgia's coming off the bye. Got a lot to talk about. It's a great week. I'm excited. Uh, Hillwood football is officially in the history books. Well, Hillwood. Oh, I guess you're right. Hillwood football is officially in the history books because there's no more Hillwood High School uh, anymore. As far as football is concerned, yes, but we, we still have until May for the high school. All right. Well, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. Um, a man who is a pinball wizard. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Uh, sorry with uh, with any uh, tech delays and, and, and mishaps for me. Uh, crazy uh, rainstorm, weather storm here in uh, in Chicago might uh, might be messing with my internet. So if I uh, are more pixelated than normal or my audio lags more than normal, it's uh, act of God, I guess. Okay, well, um, I suppose, yeah. I suppose. All right, well, uh, before we get into it tonight, I want to remind you guys that we are, as always, are brought to you by betonline.ag. Football is back in full swing, and BetOnline remains your number one source for everything live betting when it comes to football, latest odds, matchup info, player news, game trends, as well as live betting, free contests, live scores, giveaways, you name it, they've got it. Head on over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus using the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, gents, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened last week. And I want to start uh, with the big ACC game uh, coach, because to me, this was uh, the marquee matchup of the weekend alongside UCLA, Oregon, which we will talk about here in just a couple minutes. But I want to start with the earlier game. It was the first game on the Saturday schedule, uh, a battle for the best color orange in the ACC. And coach Clemson comes out with a victory but with even more of a contra- quarterback controversy than they had going in. Uh, Coach Dabo Swinney has said that he is going to stick with DJ. Is he is he shooting the team in the foot moving forward by doing so? Is Should they be sticking with Cade, who came in and rescued the game for them against a Syracuse defense that was playing lights out for most of the game? Stick with Cade, man. Uh, I, I don't understand it. Like, you got a guy that clearly won the job. Stick with him. He's clearly the better quarterback. He's been that way the whole time. I said it from the Georgia Tech game. He's the better quarterback. Even though DJ started playing better, I'll give him credit. But Cade Klubnik is the better quarterback, so he should stick with him. I mean, he came in. He has moxie. He has control. He had command of the offense. He looked comfortable, looked smooth in all of his throws. Um, w- without looking at the 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 hardcore stats, it just it just passed the eye test first and foremost. That, that's the first test that you look at when you look at quarterbacks. Do they pass the eye test? And Cade Klubnik did. DJ Ungulale did not. He struggled mightily against the Syracuse defense, which I might add played a hell of a ball game until they ran out of gas. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Coach, i got to be a little bit more pessimistic than you are because stats sometimes play a part in this. And uh, Cade went uh, two for four for 19 yards. So a uh, pretty small sample size against that Syracuse defense. Um, I'm actually with Coach Swinney on this one. I, I think, um, you know, I think there's not enough there there yet to to full go on to Cade. But, um, you know, if they incorporate him more and more into the offense and say against Notre Dame, Cade gets, you know, 10 passing shots and he goes, you know, seven of 10 and, uh, and, and DJ struggling again, then yeah, I think that adds more to the, uh, the pile of evidence, but I just didn't see enough from Syracuse, uh, uh, or from Kate against Syracuse to, to make that switch just yet. Um, I think Syracuse just ran out of steam and it was that simple. And, uh, it was pretty easy just turning around and handing the ball off and getting it done that way. So looking big picture here in the ACC, one of the, the crazy thing, Clemson's already played six league games. No one else has played more than four, I don't think. And so like they've got like this basically in their back pocket already. They're already six and oh in league play. Who is the team that's going to challenge them? Is it going to be North Carolina? They are leading the other division at the at, at this point, but they don't even have a semblance of a defense. We'll talk about them a little bit later. But I mean... I don't. I don't know, coaches. Can anyone? Is was Syracuse the best chance the ACC had to knock off Clemson? Yep, it was. Uh, you know, I think Wake Forest was one of those chances. They passed that test. Then Syracuse comes into town. They passed that test. They so passed the NC State think, test, like a, a full strength NC, NC State, State test. test. Yep. Um, you know, they they caught Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins still there, so. Uh, Georgia Tech is a much different team now, but I think they would still pass that test. That's the next best team in the in that other division. I mean, that other division is sorry, dude. Uh, Pitt fell apart, uh, so they're not even going to get a chance to test them. Um, it, it won't matter. So no, the Duke's having a nice season. They are, but they just dismantled <laughs> Miami. By the way, the dude snapped the U over his leg. I was like, holy cow. That was <laughs> a phenomenal celebration. The the, the snapping of the U. I I, I thought that was a new and, my abs- that w- that was a new and creative way. Because I mean, like the upside down <laughs> U, like that's been done enough times for now. Like, but to to break it over your just to break upside down and then breaking over the leg was like chef's yeah. kiss, beautiful. Um, jo- Josh, you need to create a meme of that with my pick of Miami to win the ACC and that guy snapping it into. <laughs> So, um, well, my pick of UCLA to win the Pac-12 did not uh, look super hot uh, here uh, over the weekend because they, Chip Kelly and them boys, went up to Autzen and got uh, got mollywopped, frankly. Um, their defense laid a gigantic egg, and they turned the ball over, and it just it, it did not turn out well, Josh, for my Bruins. Uh, my question to you, then, is... I mean, coming out of this game, you know, what, who is Oregon? Are they the best team in the Pac 12? Or like, what did we learn about Oregon that we didn't know ahead of this one? Well, I learned a couple things. Uh, so, first of all, Oregon, I haven't really been tracking uh, these types of stats of, for Oregon. I just uh, been watching their games and, and looking at some of their offensive stuff. I haven't gone too deep into it, but. 
uh, they don't give up sacks. <laughs> They've given up one sack all year. So uh, that's a pretty good foundation for winning a whole lot of football games. Uh, they're given Bo Nix ample time. Uh, we had seen flashes of Bo Nix being good at Auburn, um, but he basically was told the rest of our team is crap. <laughs> Solve it. And uh, and some weeks Bo could and, and some weeks Bo did not. Surrounded with a complete team, uh, Bo is accelerating, excuse me, is excelling the way we all thought he did after his prep career. Uh, it's nice to see him putting all the pieces together at Oregon. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that Oregon is the real deal. The, um, you know, the, the opening day loss against Georgia, let's be honest. It was one of the best teams in the country. It was essentially a road game because it was in Atlanta. It was Bo Nix's first game with this new team. And I think Bo Nix went into it thinking, oh, it's just like Auburn. I got to play hero ball. I got to do everything. And Dan Lanning really didn't know the full scope of the team that he had. I think Georgia and Oregon playing again this week at a truly neutral site, uh, I think would be incredible. And um, I know a lot of people will say a 46-point game uh, disqualifies you from making the playoffs. But um, if, you know, if the SEC only gets one team in, if it's just Ohio State or Michigan, uh, you know, that leaves a lot of interesting teams. Is it TCU? Is it Clemson? Is it Oregon? If TCU or Clemson stumble along the way, they're all going to be one loss. And Oregon's resume is racking up win after win after win. Uh, They just got a big one against UCLA. Washington, I think, is going to put or Washington State's going to put some more wins together. I, I think Washington State could be ranked by the end of the season. Uh, Washington, they have a little bit later. Washington uh, fell out of the rankings, but just came up with another win. They're a six-win club right now. They'll have Utah, who's uh, highly ranked to start the year. They're still like 14th right now. They've got Oregon State. Oregon State should be ranked. Oregon State's ranked in my poll. They just dismantled Colorado. Uh, so they're going to put together a nice schedule, and then they're going to get a Pac-12 title game against either a rematch with this UCLA team, who will probably be back by that point a top-10 team again, or USC, who, if they win out and make the uh, title game, will be a top-10 team again. So um, Oregon's going to have a really nice resume. It just depends on how much you want to hang on to a game all the way back in September. Yeah, when you look at semantics, maybe if if that's like if you got two teams with similar resumes, I, I you know you kind of have to. But Oregon's putting together a pretty impressive season. I mean, what they did against UCLA is, is nothing to to scoff at. I mean, that was a you know UCLA was a legit top ten team coming into Autzen Stadium and just got completely dismantled from the word go. I mean, you you tune that thing on and it was like. Wasn't it like seventeen to three to start start the thing off? I kept seeing the score going up. I was like, okay, Oregon, Oregon might be for real. Like this whole Bo Nix thing, he might have left that Bo Nix at Auburn, or he actually he left <laughs> that on- Bo Nix in Atlanta. Well, when, the when onside they, kick they was a thing of beauty. 
Yeah, yeah it was. That, I mean, that, that was a huge ooh. turning point too. I mean, that was well, I'll, defense I'll harass DTR. I mean, it was good. <laughs> I'll tell you who's kind of sitting around staring at each other, going, "Oh." Rick, what what are we doing? What does this mean for our job security? Is uh, Gus Bus, who they just laid mm-hmm. an egg, Central Florida did, Brian Harrison, and Mario Cristobal, because uh, <laughs> Bo Nix got better the second he left, and Oregon is about 200 times better than they were under Mario Cristobal. Um, not a fun day for the Canes. Losing to Duke and then watching. Oh God! Uh, yeah, like <laughs> like I said, Duke complete. I mean, did is is that the celebration? Is that like the uh, Batman and Bane moment where where <laughs> Batman gets his back broken by Bane? Is, is that that kind of moment that Duke did to Miami? I mean, my I, God, uh, dude! I haven't looked it up. About a um, program. I haven't looked it up, but I, I feel like Middle Tennessee State has lost every game since they beat Miami. They had nobody at homecoming last week <laughs> against Western Kentucky. Nobody. Well, I know Western <laughs> Kentucky boat raced them. Um, yeah. let, let's now move that I can bring out, that up, I got I to gotta look. <laughs> let's move out of the ACC um, uh, for the let's moment. Do. And talk about the Big 12, because I think the Big 12 probably had the best, you know, maybe the best pair of games of any conference this weekend. Uh, We saw, you know, big wins uh, for both Oklahoma State and TCU. I want to start with Oklahoma State. They took down Texas, and Texas had been really hot. But um, Oklahoma State's defense, for me, really showed up for the first time this season, Coach. And I think... They showed up late. They they, they showed up well. They showed up when it matters. (laughs) And... You know, yeah, it's all that matters. It, it, it's all, well in the Big Twelve. I mean, if showing up late means that you showed up, because most of the time there's no defense. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I think I mean, that you're, you're not lying. We're on we're on track for a rematch of last week's instant classic between TCU and Oklahoma State. I think. Yeah, if I mean Martinez watching that back. Texas game. We'll Watching Bijan Robinson, Quinn Ewers just get up to that big lead, and and then they just fell apart. Like that's kind of Texas's mo right now is they're good, they just can't hang on. And hold Oklahoma on, hold on. State, wait, wait, that, that like, reminds okay. me of of a team I've seen before. I think they played in Southern California, and I want to say it was like the early two thousand and tens, maybe the mid two thousand and tens. They had this coach. His first and last name started with the same letter, and now I can't forget it. It was at USC. Yeah, USC. He had been like an assistant there under. under oh God, what? Steve Sarkeesian. Wait, wait a second. Where does he coach now? Texas. Wait a second. Who yeah. would have guessed it? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Did we just become best friends? <laughs> at le- we at least <laughs> solved the mystery. We did solve the mystery. Uh, Good yeah. job, Scoob. Uh, so just FYI, I was right. I feel good. A little pat on my shoulder. Uh, Middle Tennessee is 0-3 since boat race in Miami. Uh, but to the game that you asked about, Matt. Um, so in Sark's uh, last like 10 losses or whatever, he's at Texas. He's like 10 and 10 or whatever. I can't remember. But um, I, I saw this mark that in like 10 recent losses, six of them they held a lead. So 
he's clearly not making adjustments. He's not a very good in-game coach. Uh, you see it in the second half held to just three points. Uh, and, and this is this is who Texas is. This is the hire they made. Uh, he was adequate at best at Washington. He was adequate at best at USC. He's going to be adequate at best at Texas. He's a really nice offensive coordinator. He's good to have when he's surrounded by a support system like Nick Saban. And I know every Alabama fan would say we will give anything to have Sark back. So he's a good offensive mind. It's just running a program is over him. And, you know, you see just stuff even like the whole like kerfuffle about the eyes of Texas song where yeah. How's that he the big story off, here? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he walks off the field and, and it, team follows him up and that's his excuse about why he skipped the song and stuff. But it's like, that just shows a lack of situational awareness to be like, Oh, Hey, there's this song that like our schools played after every game for like a hundred years. And oops, I, I forgot about it. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's just uh, poor, you know, poor management. I mean, it's just a it's just a microcosm of everything about him as a head coach. He's, he's just I wouldn't want him, and I and I have to deal with the Ferences. Yikes! That well, let's talk Josh. about something positive. Yeah, here. let's talk about, about Oklahoma State. Wait, okay, or, or or yeah, okay, let's finish Oklahoma State on this game. Um, Oklahoma, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's let's give some credit to Spencer Sanders, man. I mean, he was no, no, no. You know, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma State fans—they're going to enjoy out of ragging on Texas. That's that's gift are. enough for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, three hundred ninety-one yards, two touchdowns. Um, he caught a pass, so um, well, he put it up in it, the air I enough. Mean, he it fifty-seven really nice times. I mean, th- th- this no, got this got did. back to the old. Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State, that we got used to. They got, you know, they, they got pretty fancy on the ground there for a minute with Chuba Hubbard, but they just said, nah, oh. we're just going to drop back like 70 times this game. Why not? Let's freaking go, man. Uh, let's let's I'll, go. But yeah, Oklahoma State, I'll, back to their winning ways here. I'll give them some love too with those helmets. Those things were a thing of beauty. Yeah. And have those more often. Those were gorgeous. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about TCU quickly. They followed up. Uh, with no letdown against a really tough Kansas State team. Um, they got a break. Adrian Martinez was injured for Kansas State, but... They've yet to play a, a starting quarterback for the whole game. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, actually. How, how uh, lucky. I guess credit to their defense for, for tackling those guys with such ferocity. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think we're, we're not looking uh, to hurt people out there, but you know, you can only play against who you no, play no. against. And it, some, sometimes stuff happens. Iowa had a streak like this. Uh, it was pr- crazy. Probably a decade ago. Uh, there was like four or five games in a row where we knocked out the other team's starting quarterback. And I think Michigan, we knocked out both their starters. And it was just like, you know, it was just like Abdul Hodge and, Chad Greenway, probably. It's just like grown men, you know, slamming into the quarterback. Stuff stuff happens. I'm not saying TCU's doing it deliberately. I'm just saying it's a, uh, a bizarre streak to to have happen. Well, Will Howard ha- had a not-so-bad game. I mean, he was 13 of 20 for no, 225 and two touchdowns. I mean, for a backup quarterback, that's pretty admirable. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, Deuce Vaughn did his thing. It absolutely. <laughs> yeah. so, some team, some team starters don't even put up those numbers. <laughs> I know. Only 12 <laughs> carries for Deuce Vaughn, though. I mean, that's criminal. Yeah, especially, especially in that situation. Yeah. 12 carries. Well, let, let, let's talk about uh, quarterbacks who can't hit those numbers in a full game. It's time to move for the Big Ten, Josh, and it's time to talk about uh, what everybody's mm. talking about. Um, and that is... The, the, North, Iowa the Northwestern Hawks. Iowa under. The, the Northwestern <laughs> Iowa under, which we will also be talking about later. However, is the over under set at thirteen. It's we'll, we'll talk about that in spread formations. We are uh, we're, we're capping off the week with that one because it is particularly juicy. I want to go back though, talk about the Ohio State game, um, because of course you know Iowa scored ten points and it was a defensive touchdown yet again as mm-hmm. to be expected, and then Ohio State broke the defense somehow like just broke the defense and maybe it was the fact that the offense just didn't move the ball again josh i don't know but it it, it seems like there is getting wait, more wait, like you've wait, been leading offense this didn't move the ball again josh you've been leading this fire brian for a long time for like as long as he's been at iowa pretty much and now the national media has finally caught on to what we've been talking about here for six years um, but I mean, this, this was a like piece de resistance from Ferentz and company. Well, I mean, all you need to know about the game is the Ohio state offense outscored the Iowa offense, the Iowa defense outscored the Iowa offense and the Ohio state defense also outscored the Iowa offense. The Iowa offense produced three points. Um, you know, look, the, the defense for Iowa, it was going to break down. It was going to get fatigued. We knew that was going to happen, but this was, this was even beyond bottom of the barrel. This was beyond rock bottom. Iowa had six giveaways. They had, mm-hmm. uh, a pick six. Uh, Josh, that's what we call that two less. We, we call that two less than Miami <laughs> on, on the giveaways. Yeah. They gave. They had a pick six that was just an egregiously thrown ball. It, it was it, sad to say, but it was one of Spencer Petrus's best throw of the season. He, he's yet to hit a uh, Iowa receiver that wide open in in stride like that. Uh, it just happened to be for an Ohio State player. Um, but I, I mean, here here's the sad reality. Oh, they went one for third, or uh, what they go one third for yeah one for thirteen on third down. I hadn't seen that stat till now. Fun times. Uh, here's the reality of it. We converted a fourth um, down, so I guess yeah. Brian Ferentz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a fun stat. Also, here's a really fun stat. Um, if you go by, they only had five punts. Um, <laughs> If you go by average rushing yards, so not total yards, but average rushing yards, uh, one of the leading rushers for Iowa was Torrey Taylor, the punter, went four yards on a fake punt on, uh, like, fourth and ten. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all you need to know about that one. But, yeah, so here's the thing. Um, Iowa is just a um, collision, like a, a, a perfect crash collision of a whole bunch of terrible factors. You have uh, Kirk Ferentz, who the more things go bad, digs in and entrenches and becomes more surly with the media. He was asked about, you know, what do you tell your defensive players 
um, after a game like this. And he goes, that's football. This was his same response from a few years ago when he had a total moronic coaching decision that cost us the Nebraska game. He totally blew that game. You know, people were like, that was one of the few times a seat was legitimately hot and he played it off, said, Oh, that's football. And it's just like, F you dude, you cannot do that. Um, And so he's not obviously going to get rid of his son. Now, because of the state nepotism laws, Brian Ferris technically reports to the athletic director, Gary Barta. Gary Barta is one of the worst athletic directors in the entire country. For my money, he is the worst. And Gary Barta makes an obscene amount of money, and the university makes, or the athletic department makes an obscene amount of money from football. So Kirk Ferris is the goose that lays the golden egg. So Gary Barta is not going to upset that apple cart by getting rid of Brian Ferris, even though Brian Ferris technically reports directly to him. So we're stuck with these Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And what they are doing to these young men is negligent. It's shameful because Spencer Petrus comes out there after every freaking game and answers questions to the media. But Ferentz has a long-time policy that assistant coaches don't do media unless it's the bye week. So you're sending out a 22-year-old kid who is clearly way above his head. You know, even with right coaching, I just don't know. You know, Spencer Petra's talent might not be there. You know, with with proper coaching, who knows? Maybe he could be a little bit better. But when you just kind of look at his accuracy and, and, you know, his foot speed, his intangibles, to me, he would have been a a pretty nice group of five, um, you know, backup maybe, uh, maybe a starter, Definitely a starter in the FCS ranks, but not a power five starter. Um, But, you know, goes out there. His teammates still love him. He answers questions from the media every week. This is not on Spencer Petras um, because the coaches decided not to recruit another quarterback. The coaches decided not to hit up the transfer portal to improve a coach. They said, hey, we won 10 games with this kid last year. The offense was atrocious a year ago. The offense had nothing to do with those 10 wins. And they got completely exposed in the bowl game. They got completely exposed against Michigan. And then they had the audacity to tell us, oh, Padilla practices really well. You know, we got utmost confidence in Padilla. First play, Padilla's in there. Fumbles the snap because he has never taken first team reps. He doesn't know the exchange. He doesn't know that center. It was plain as day to any person who knows anything about football. And then what do they do on the sideline after the fumble? They're quickly practicing their exchanges because he's never taken first team reps because the coaching staff refuses to let Padilla have any type of snaps because if they put in Padilla, it's admitting they messed up with Petrus and they have the ego to not admit to any mistakes. So I feel awful for Petrus. I feel awful for Padilla. Padilla um, throwing the ball, I don't know if he's much of an improvement over Spencer Petrus, but he is faster. He's a more athletic quarterback, and with the terrible offensive line, who, oh, by the way, that's also under Brian Ferentz's purview um, as offensive coordinator. So he's responsible for 
the worst offense in Iowa football history. It's shameless. He's making $900,000 to roll out the worst freaking offense in the entire country. Uh, and, you know, coming into this season, there were a lot of slack-jawed yokels in my Iowa fan base family that was like, well, you know, if we get rid of Kirk, what happens? You know, oh, that, that'll make us the next Nebraska you know, better better to do the safe thing. And oh, we won ten games last year. We won the division last year. I'm telling you, this fan base has had it. Kirk has burned up all of his love, all of his attention. He was looking at getting a statue on campus. He's the all-time winningest coach. And in seven weeks of this season, they want him and his son out. And quite frankly, if Garibarda doesn't make that change, you're going to see empty Kinnick stadiums. Uh, my dad, season ticket holder, I don't know of him ever missing a game, was like, I'm not driving back for Iowa State. I'm not going to another game this year. And I was like, are you going to give your tickets away? And he goes, I don't want anyone in my seats. So he's just eating the tickets to try and contribute to having an empty stadium. That's what Iowa fans need to do. Gary Barter is going to say, well, we got our money. This game's a sellout, even, even though it's going to be an empty stadium. But Iowa fans just no-show the rest of the games. And just this team needs to be shamed. And we haven't even gotten into the other aspects of this program. There is still an ongoing lawsuit from former players about the racial disparity and, and racial mistreatment on this team with Brian Ferentz prominently named in that with allegations of him routinely making racist comments towards black players, including asking multiple black players if they were going to commit a crime later that day. It's why would any player want to play with this? You know, Charlie Jones transferred. Other players have transferred. Tyrone Tracy's transferred. It, if you're a skill position player, if you're an offensive player, why would you ever come to this university? And the fans were like, well, we're going to turn to Nebraska. This is going to be worse than Nebraska. Because Nebraska kept changing coaches when they sucked. These two coaches suck. And you have a really good interim coach on staff already with Phil Parker. He's a great defensive coordinator. Let him finish it out. You have an incredible Young mind on your staff, former player LeVar Woods, who's the special teams coordinator, who the fan base is dying. They think that he's our own Jimmy Leonard of a young mind who can come in and coach this team for another decade plus. And nothing's going to change this year. And honestly, it's going to take a miracle for something to change this offseason. Well, hopefully, as a Badger fan, I want them to clean house. We will poach Lamar Woods because, or LeVar Woods, I should say, because they are in desperate (laughs) need of a special teams coach because Wisconsin special teams absolutely stinks. Okay, so I think that's enough on uh, the Iowa situation from the past weekend. We can all breathe now and we can take it. Just take a moment. Is this the Josh Cook therapy session I I, see? You know, I think I I marked about six different things that were potential social clips from that monologue. Perfect. So uh, now we can uh, continue to move forward with uh, what else we saw this weekend. (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, as the Badgers were not playing this weekend, I actually had uh, a full day of just sitting in front of the television and never having to watch a commercial because I could click between channels at any time. Um, and I saw a couple of things. I like that, that you said the Badgers didn't play this weekend. <laughs> they dominated Purdue. They beat the crap out of Purdue. I guess when you've I mean. beaten the same opponent for for like 16 straight years, you... Uh, Josh, they haven't <laughs> beat... Purdue interest. hasn't beaten Wisconsin <laughs> since uh, before I enrolled. I think the last time Purdue... They, beat- they, haven't, they haven't beaten Wisconsin since... Kyle Orton's soul left his body on a last second fumble that cost them the game. Scott Starks, <laughs> uh, former guest on Believe in Badgers podcast. There's there's a plug. That was a great interview with with, with Sparky. Um, no, uh, but what what I what I did see though was some really really bad football uh, across the Big Ten conference. Uh, Indiana and Rutgers, ugly. Mm. Northwestern and Maryland, <laughs> hideous. Minnesota Penn State. I mean, I guess it's good. Can I give? Can I give Maryland? Can I give Maryland a little bit of love? I mean, I suppose this is the earliest they've had bowl eligibility in like fifteen years. True, true. But and they, their they, their they, schedule they has been they, charm and soft, like not even, like soft. Well, they they soft. did it with their backup quarterback true. making his debut. So you know. Hats off to Maryland for that. Okay, coach, let's talk SEC. Uh, I want to talk LSU because LSU dismantled Ole Miss and they <laughs> are not the same team that we saw uh, just look lost against Florida State in the opening weekend. Yeah, they're all about team. family. Yeah, Bo- Boudreaux family. is starting to, to, to really fit in. He is. He, he he finally ate some crawfish etouffee. He went down to Cafe Du Monde, got some beignets, <laughs> and he's going to get this. No, he uh, didn't. He went to Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I, honestly, this you could tell this was a rivalry game, and this game means a lot for the LSU community because they played well above their heads at LSU. Jaden Daniels had had himself a game. Um, and that's, that's being mild about it. And this LSU team coming down 16, I mean, 17 to three looked, I mean, they didn't bat an eyelash and they looked freaking (laughs) dominant, dominant. So here's some stats to throw at you. Team stats, total yards, 500 yards of total offense. They were six of 11 on third down one for one. On fourth down, they ran 76 plays, no turnovers, time of possession, 36 minutes. Jaden Daniels, I said he had himself a game. He was 21 of 28, talk about efficient, for 248 yards and two tuds. Also rushing 23 carries for 121 yards and three tuds. Yeah. Had himself a ball game, folks. Had himself a ball game. And Ole Miss just looked lost, man. Jackson Dart looked lost. It was it was a thing of beauty watching yeah, Ole Miss. Has I, mean, to be, uh, I never thought pretty. I'd say that about a Brian Kelly team. That was a slap. Yeah, Ole Miss has to feel nuts. pretty. pretty. Ole Miss has to feel pretty bad about you know they they had a giveaway. They had way more penalties. They had ten penalties for 111 yards, and you know they just 
They picked a bad day to have by far their worst game of the year. Um, yeah. And, you Couldn't know. Couldn't get anything the, going in the run game it, at all. Yeah. They, they have what on paper looks like a get-right game, but, uh, you know, Aggie, Aggie, or not Aggie, uh, Kyle Field. I don't know why I almost said Aggie Field. Kyle Field. Aggie Land. Gets those Aggies, yeah, down there at AM. Uh, there's a kind lot of, of issues trapped at cor- AM right trapped now. Trapped corner animal, though. Yeah, they yeah. they they got they got four people suspended. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh. Woo. Maybe maybe they could maybe they could call Nick Saban and tell them how you suspend players for stuff. Reportedly, of, uh, them... I mean, I I know it's not believe everything you read, but apparently the players were smoking weed in the locker room. Allegedly, I, I mean, well, that, that is hardly the well, first time that has happened on the college campus. Well, there's nothing reportedly about uh, an Alabama player walking off the field, then walking back on the field to punch a hundred year old, hundred pound girl. So he was afraid. He was, Josh. He was, he was afraid. afraid. This this girl was yeah. was was obviously threatening him. Clearly. All ninety-eight. He's the same her. player that he's the same player that got ejected earlier in the season for throwing punches. He was scared, man. Nick, Nick Saban. At, Nick Saban attends the Tom Osborne. Nick Saban attends the Tom Osborne school of disciplining players. You you haven't with lived a special until, until with a special adjunct comes at you with a pom pom <laughs> with special adjunct professor Urban Meyer. Oh. All right. Well, are there anything anything else from the past weekend that you guys want to touch on before we hit some spread formations? Uh, uh no. I yeah, there was something. I, I gotta, I gotta find it. Sorry, I lost my notes. Uh, there, no, there was Did a game. Dog eat your homework about. again, Josh. <laughs> no, he's so disheveled it from was. the eyes. No, but what I will say is, I actually spent my Friday night watching Princeton Harvard and uh, Princeton. Princeton, it's too bad. I believe teams can't make the playoffs. Princeton's going to go undefeated this year, guys. They are on fire. Absolutely. Technically, FCS. Yeah, that's what I said. They wouldn't. Well, I mean, they (laughs) they wouldn't make the FCS playoff because they they can't, because I believe schools can't play. Uh, Is that the same with HBCUs? Yes. Uh, HBCUs. No, HBCUs can. Their conferences just seldom get invited. Uh, yeah, the, the games that I wanted to, to talk about, there we go, I found it in my notes. Uh, I don't know their cheer, so I'm just going to make up one. I think it goes T-U-L-A-N-E, go Tulane. Uh, they <laughs> dominated Memphis. They moved to 7-1, and one, party like Sean King's down there in 1998. And then this one, woo, you had two 3-3 and three teams meeting in Big 12 action, and you're like, okay, it'll probably be kind of a competitive, maybe a sloppy affair with these two teams. Uh, two teams clearly trending in different directions. Texas Tech 48, West Virginia 10. Uh, I don't know if that's the final nail in the Neil Brown coffin, but that is a game that needs to be slightly competitive, and uh, it was not. All right. Well, I think that is it for Josh's uh, uh, musings here for the end of uh, here in the end of week eight. So as we get into week nine, it is time for us to get into our spread formations. And uh, coach, 
I just got to say, I guess, I guess we all need to start listening to you more because coach, you've been on a heater. You had another great week last week, five and one against the spread coach. That brings you to 30 and 19 on the season. Jesus. Well done. Uh, Josh, you had another nice week, four and two. Uh, You're not far behind 28 and 21. And I am bringing up there the rear. I was 500 last week at three and three. I'm 25 and 24 on the season, just a tick over 500. Uh, guys, seven games on the docket this week. Big week here at Spread Formations. Uh, but we got to start with the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville, Florida. Coach, um, I'll just give the line quickly. The dogs are 22 and a half point favorites. The over under is 56 and a half. Um, two teams heading in very different directions. Florida started the season hot and is uh, sputtering, nose diving. Yeah. But, coach, uh, you're going first this week. So, first of all, yeah. just give us your thoughts on the game and then give us your pick. Well, uh, Israel and I will go live on Thursday to give you a more in depth look on Believe in Georgia Dogs. But, uh, the quick overview of this is uh, it's been rare that the sp- that I've seen a spread like this for this game, but you know it shouldn't be taken lightly. It is a rivalry game. It is an intense rivalry game. So uh, Florida hates Georgia with fiery, burning passion. So you know we're going to get their best shot. But twenty two and a half, you know the the offense has refound itself. Stetson has finally settled back down. Quit trying to win the game on every play. Uh, they will find ways to get Brock Bowers the ball, Kenny McIntosh, um, Dejon Edwards, Darnell Washington. I think A.D. Mitchell's due back as well, coming off the bye week. So uh, the offense should be up and moving. Um, the status of Jalen Carter still remains up in the air. Um, if he comes back uh, on this Georgia defense, I have no zero doubts that they will cover this 22.5. But uh, regardless of that, I do think they cover this 22 and a half. I think uh, the offense is going to have a huge, huge day. Uh, don't know about the over under. Um, I'm going to take the under because I don't think Florida is going to score a whole lot of points. So give me Georgia and the under. Nice. Uh, yeah. You know, you look at the trend in this series more often than not, it's very, very close, but just recent data. I mean, last year, 34 to seven, uh, I think Georgia is better than last year, as crazy as that uh, that is. And I, I think Florida's still sure. kind of figuring. Yeah, I think Florida's still figuring themselves out. First year coach, a lot of issues there. So I, I'm with you, coach. I, I think Georgia covers. I know it's a big number for this rivalry, but uh, two programs in very different places. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take the over in this one. I think Georgia covers. Uh, you know, going to my head, Ooh. I would pick Georgia, but I'm gonna go on the over in this one. I just, I, I weirdly feel like there's gonna be points, 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 and I'm, I'm usually an unders guy, but this is, to me, this is an overplay. Um, let's stick in the SEC. Uh, Kentucky and Tennessee are gonna be facing off, coach. And Tennessee, you know, they got UT Martin after their big win against Alabama. So that was, you know, uh, it looked like for a second they wanted to blow it to UT Martin. It looked like for a second there uh, that they they wanted to do the Uh, single most Tennessee thing of all time uh, and lose to UT Martin a week after beating Alabama. But they held on. Now, Kentucky, Kentucky is licking their wounds a little bit. You know, they had um a a tough loss two weeks ago to 
uh, Mississippi State, but they had the bye week to get right for this game. They've had two weeks to focus on it. Uh, I think this is a good spot for Kentucky, all things considered. But, you know, it, it, it's still not going to be an easy test, Coach. How do you feel about this one? What's your pick? Well, last year, I mean, last year was the biggest anomaly game I've ever seen where uh, you had a Kentucky team that held the ball for 43 minutes of time of possession but lost 45 to 14. Um, that was one of the weirdest stats I've ever seen. Uh, this game is in Knoxville, which I don't know if you guys know the atmosphere in Knoxville. It is worse than bonkers, uh, and I think it'll be electric all over again because Kentucky is another one of those rivalry games where uh, Tennessee does kind of own that rivalry, but a lot of tension there. So uh, I think Tennessee covers this one easily, though. I, I think this is a bad matchup for Kentucky. I don't think they can hang with the speed of this uh, Tennessee offense. I think Tennessee gets off to a fast start here, and Kentucky just can't hang and can't catch up. So I'm, I'm going to take the Vols here. Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt are having tremendous seasons. Jabari Small, uh, they're going to get him going a little bit as well, and this offense, this Tennessee offense is going to be overwhelming. Yeah, I've got Tennessee winning and covered as well. I just, you know, Tennessee's on a collision course for Georgia. That's the game we all want to see. I think it's uh, it's going to be happening. And the good news for the Kentucky, though, I mean, they're 19th in the polls. This will be a quality loss. So uh, based on the SEC poll rankings, uh, Kentucky will probably move up into the top 15 despite losing. Yeah, I got them. At, I got them at 14th after they <laughs> lose by uh, 18 points. In Knoxville, um, I That's the SEC way, baby. Yeah, so uh, I also like I also like the Vols. Uh, I also like the Vols to cover, and I love the over in this one as first time, well. long time. Powell like the Vols to cover. Powell, I think I think the Vols gonna put up a lot of points on that board. Put a lot of points up there in Neyland Stadium. They're gonna light up that scoreboard, Paul. They're gonna test every bulb in it. And then they're gonna light Go Tennessee. Ri- then they're gonna light Tennessee River on fire afterwards. <laughs> I'll hang up. Hey Paul. hey, Paul, I think once they get added, Tennessee, their protective rival should be Texas. They play for the Davy Crockett Cup. They play in the Alamo Dome, and that's their number one rival. Whoever loses doesn't get to wear orange the rest of the year. I'll hang up and take your, your answer on the air. Long time, I'll first time, too, Paul. First time, long time, Paul. <laughs> did a great job, Paul. But Tennessee, the greatest team in college football history. Hendon Hooker should win the Heisman Trophy. Go Vols. I'll hang up and listen. Hey, Paul. Paul, you tell me why Josh Heupel shouldn't win the Nobel Prize for Peace <laughs> and Economics. I'll hang up and listen. He has single-handedly increased the gross <laughs> domestic product of the city of Knoxville since I don't know General Neyland. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> I still think my favorite call of the history of that show has to be hey Paul, first time, long time. I put poison on the trees at Auburn. <laughs> the guy like admitted to it on the air. And they found him. And he's he's in jail. Well, <laughs> I, I had too Feinbaum much Bama in me. There. That was that was even too I, much for Paul Feinbaum. He was just sitting there stunned. <laughs> I, I, I just gonna piss a lot of people off. Roll damn tide. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
right. Well, uh, another team that's probably going to roll this weekend is Ohio State. Josh, you just saw them uh, obliterate Who's Iowa. Who's the Buckeyes? Um, They're pretty good. I mean, Ohio State's a 16-point favorite at Penn State. Penn State had a get-right game against Minnesota, who is uh, falling apart. Oh, wait, who's surprised? Wait, no one. It's a P.J. Fleck team. And They're uh, still going to win the West. Maybe. Mm, no, Illinois. Illinois is going to win the West, my friends. Um, Illinois is going to run away with the West. Yeah. But uh, Illinois would have to lose, I think, three games three of their last four in order to not win the or win the west at this point it's something like that or at least two of their next their next games anyhow uh ohio state's gonna win the east or michigan's gonna win the east but uh it's not gonna be penn state unless be- illinois upsets michigan oh Ooh. um <laughs> ohio state penn state coach uh ohio state 16 point favorites on the road uh over under 61 they're scary, man. Uh, after that game against Iowa, I know it's Iowa, and I know we just spent an hour doing a, a therapy session for for old Josh here. But um, Ohio State, I don't know if you know this, but they're pretty good at football. Uh, C.J. Stroud is dialed in. This defense is playing not like the Charmin defense that, that I thought they would at the beginning of the season. They get better and better each and every week as the number two team in the country, and I, I, I think they get this cover. And I think we're going to see an over. So I'm going to take a two. I'm going to take a uh, two game parlay here, or, or two leg parlay, Ooh. I should say. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say Ohio State minus sixteen, and I'm going to take the over on this because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored, and I think Ohio State is going to score a lot of those. Yeah, I, I'm making the exact same bets as you are. Um, Matt said it was a get right game for uh, Minnesota. It's interesting when your get right game. Uh, you start out so slowly and so poorly that the uh, home fans are booing your team. They help get them um, right. They help get them um, right. But uh, another another factor of this game um, that should be uh, worth noting for why can't Penn State pull off this upset? Um, scheduling quirk. It's a Fox Big Dude kickoff. So. No night game at Beaver Stadium. No whiteout. No crazy magic. Bad news for uh, for. It's not really a court. It's just Fox going. Hey, there's no other games we can put at the big noon slot, so we can give Penn State a night game in this where where they usually are more no, successful. I disagree. Because- really, really, no other games. They can't do uh, Michigan State. Michigan. They had Iowa, Ohio State as their big dude kickoff. No, they, they also they have. Should- Oklahoma they State, Kansas Big State. 12. Yeah, Oklahoma State, Kansas State uh, is the game that should. I guys, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying the the Fox the Fox the Fox guys are like, well, we need to get Ohio State on as much as we can in the big noon kickoff. As if there isn't enough Ohio it's, State. It's, it's, Ohio, between, it's an Ohio State game. I mean, it should be called the was, Big Snooze kickoff. I don't think Fox has had a good game in that slot. Although part of their problem is featuring Iowa multiple times in that game. And last year they had Wisconsin that game like four times and they lost every single time. They were, just trying, to, they were just trying to jazz up the West with uh, with Gus Johnson. They're, they're just trying to get eyeballs on the West. That was the, that was the agenda. Put the us goal. on ESPN two with Beth Moens. That's where we should be. We should be the eleven o'clock ESPN two kickoff game. That's that that is the ideal time for it. 
I think every Big West team, or Big Big Ten West team, um, or the no, Big it's West an ideal time for Iowa. <laughs> um, oh, you're right because the ideal time for Northwestern is never. Uh, I'm also on Ohio State with uh, both of you guys here. Let's talk about that Oklahoma State Kansas State game, Coach. Um, Kansas State is a one point favorite at home. It looks like Adrian Martinez is gonna play. But uh, somehow, I Oklahoma Oklahoma State at Kansas State over under fifty six. What side are you on? This seems like an easy one to me. It's pretty much a pick 'em, and I get a point to take the Cowboys. So pistols up. Uh, I'm going to also take the over here. Spencer Sanders is balling out, man, and I, I think he'll continue that trend this this week against Kansas State. So give me the give me the pokes plus one and the over. Seems like another e- seems like some easy money there. Josh, <laughs> uh, you know me. I, I always ride that Kansas State bandwagon. I just don't see their defense being good enough this year, and the, the health of Martinez, even if he is playing, is a little bit of an unknown. So I'm going to take the pokes, uh, although I'm going to stay away from the over-under because there's a possibility if Kansas State's not fully healthy that uh, they might not produce enough points to help with that. And that is the exact reason that I am also taking Oklahoma State because of Kansas State's health uh, in the ACC Pitt and North Carolina um, might have a defenseless bowl uh, here. North Carolina <laughs> is a three point favorite at home with an over under of 65 coach. You know how like on walkthrough day, your offense like practices against air. That's what I envision <laughs> this game to be like. Both offenses practicing against air. I don't have a single clue who's going to win this thing, so I'm going to stay completely away from the spread here. But I'm going to take the over because there is no defense, and this game's going to be in the in the 40s. It's going to be 40 something to 40 something. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be up there. Josh, before you make this pick, worse at their job. Ryan Ferentz coordinating offenses. Gene Chizik coordinating defenses. <laughs> uh, Chiswick at Push. least has a track record. Ferentz has never done anything. Uh, Matt, here's a little trivia question for you. Who is Syracuse's offensive coordinator? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, you're going to need to give me a hint. He was Virginia's former offensive coordinator. And uh, we've seen Virginia fall apart and Brennan Armstrong fall apart. Follow-up question, who is Nebraska's offensive coordinator? Now, Nebraska's offensive coordinator Mark is, well, yeah, the Whipple, the, the Whippinator. There we go. So there was a trend to this. Virginia's offense has fallen apart, and Pittsburgh's offense has fallen apart. And I think it's safe to say that their offensive coordinators played a part in this. Uh, Keaton Slovis, it is... Uh, it's a little uh, dicey <laughs> here, to uh, to say the least. Here are some stats for everybody. Uh, he's at 1,300 yards. That's 87th in the country. Five touchdowns, which is just three more than Spencer Petras. Five interceptions. His QBR is 99th in the country at 42. Uh, his completion percentage right now is not great. And against top 25 teams, it's sub-60. Uh, I'm going to do the opposite of coach staying away from the over under because I want to make nice, easy money. And that is North Carolina is going to roll. I think North Carolina wins by two, three touchdowns. 
Uh, Pitt just does not have reliable quarterback play right now, and it's tanking their season. Um, I'm combining the two because I'm taking UNC and the over. <laughs> Give me Ooh, all of those points, my friends. Okay, we since and, uh, we, we I've Matt already picks this game to do a two leg parlay. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Cincinnati UCF. Let's go quickly. <laughs> We've already hit our, our our time limit, Coach. Uh, Cincinnati is a one point favorite on the road at UCF after the Gus bus started to fall apart last week. Yeah, Cincinnati. I'm not taking the over under, but Cincinnati's going to roll, dude. Cincinnati's going to destroy the Golden Knights. Josh. So here's the interesting thing: the the ESPN Football Power Index says that uh, the Knights are going to win, and the Gus Bus is always two step forward, one step back. So are you catching the Knights on an upswing? Maybe, but I don't want to have money resting on that. So I'm going to take the the Bearcats as a little bit more of a dependable thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Bearcats are going to eat that upswing and then upper upswing <laughs> the the Golden Knights right back. Yes, please. Yeah, give me Cincinnati all day. Finally, this is usually reserved for Colorado, but their line wasn't ridiculous. Um, and oh, also, quick news flash, guys. Colorado State has not one but two wins now, and they're both in conference, and they are, I believe, <laughs> atop their tied atop their division. There we go. Um, in in the city, but Colorado usually in the spot, not this week because we had we had to do it. We had to do it. Northwestern and Iowa. Northwestern has yet to win on the North American continent. Iowa, uh, Iowa's offense has two less touchdowns than transfer receiver charlie jones does after he left uh, at purdue this entire season um iowa is an 11 point favorite the over under is 37 and a half um josh what is their scoring average against can uh, i have a score 11 points that's that i was trying to figure out like, the defense can the defense <laughs> can. honestly Northwestern's offense is bad enough that I think the defense could they this you could I, I could see this as a two defensive touchdowns maybe a defensive touchdown a safety and a turnover that turns into a field goal kind of thing but I mean mm. coach I'll let you uh, I'll, I'll let you take it here <laughs> yeah I'll get it, it's kind of like uh putting out so the champion can can uh finish out with his uh swan song and tip of the cap so I'm gonna do that for Josh here but um <laughs> I just don't see how any either of these teams could be double-digit favorites. Um, I feel like this is easy money to take Northwestern plus eleven. Um, they may win. They may cover the over by themselves and win thirty-eight to nothing here. Uh, I could see that happening. I'm not going to touch this over under. It's freaking ridiculous. But I'm going to definitely take Northwestern plus eleven. Um, all right. Uh, so coaches on that, I'm just going, I'm just on the under, I'm just going under 36. I'm just going under, under 37 and a half. I've, I've got 14 to 13 written all over it. Josh, I'll let you yeah, uh, I, bring I, us I, home. I, well, I'm taking Which the under Northwestern as well. Cover. If you take, if you take <laughs> I, the I'm under, gonna, it's gotta be a Northwestern cover here. Yeah. I'm going to take the under as well. Um, making his career, first career start. Uh, last week against Maryland was Northwestern quarterback Brendan Sullivan. Uh, he played pretty well uh, against against them. He's uh, pretty dynamic with his feet, which helps with that terrible Northwestern offensive line. And if there's been one kind of bugaboo for Phil Parker's defenses, it has been mobile quarterbacks. So I think I'm also taking 
Northwestern because there's a very real possibility um, Northwestern pulls off this upset because, last thing, anyone who knows anything about Northwestern Iowa football history, Pat Fitzgerald hates Iowa with a passion. This is his Super Bowl because the last game of the year, I think, or second to last game, something like that, when Northwestern was winning the conference, he breaks his leg against Iowa and he doesn't get to play in the Rose Bowl. And the year before that, uh, when Northwestern was having a typically crappy season, Iowa beat the absolute snot out of Northwestern. And according to legend, while standing next to his coach, right about the handshake, my hat, Mr. Hayden Fry, goes up to Northwestern, and when they're supposed to be shaking hands, says in his droll Texas accent, well, I hope we didn't hurt any of your boys too bad, and then walks off, maybe with or without shaking hands. I don't know about that part of the story. But so as a result, Fitzgerald cannot stand us, and basically this is his, his Super Bowl. All right. Well, I think that so Iowa uh, by twelve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Iowa wins twelve nothing with four field goals. <laughs> well, I think that is going to do it then here for us today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast, presented by BetOnline.ag and part of the Mike Farrell Sports Network and the Believe Network. We are all over the place. Part of the Arena Group. We got all the stuff going on here. uh, Presented by BetOnline.ag. So uh, we'll be back again in a week's time. And uh, until next time, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. This is Matt Perkins in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So are we the man in the men in the arena? Why not? Part of the arena group? Why not? Let's be the men in the arena. Well, I don't know. I mean, his performance hasn't been that great so far this season. That's true. Maybe he's finally hit the wall. Should I, should I call? Should I call the Fine Bomb Show with the most northern accent ever and be like, "Hello, Paul. First time, long time. What are your thoughts hey, Paul, on Ryan Ferentz?" <laughs> hey, first time, long time, Paul. Paul Ferentz, get him out of there. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs>